Well, we sincerely mean it when we say happy Mother's Day. And if there is one group in our church that I continually feel overloaded with gratitude toward, it is the Moms of Auburn Community Church. This faith family was built by the prayers of mothers who have seen over time how calling out to God can change everything in a family and everything in a marriage. And so to the mothers of our church, I genuinely and sincerely want to repeat over and over again, I hope you have the best Mother's Day. I wish you were walking through the doors of our building so that we could load you up with flowers and notes and everything that you deserve today. This is a special day and I also want to say a happy Mother's Day to my wife seated next to me welcoming Courtney Fidel to the online gathering stage and I just want to start off by saying happy Mother's Day and also have you tell everyone what was the one thing that you asked me to do for Mother's Day this year? One thing I wanted to stay in my room and the kids not know I was there all day long. And she ended up on a stage with a microphone talking to thousands of people. My which favorite is, place to Which be. is perfectly in line with what you asked for. So Mother's Day is off to a great start in our home. Uh, I'm going to tell you in a couple of minutes why Courtney and our worship pastor, Matt Cole, are on stage. We're going to try to do something a little bit different in these moments, but it's still fitting right into our series in Colossians that we are slowly but surely coming to the end of next Sunday going to be the final installment in Colossians. But as always, and I'm going to ask the people on stage to join me in this, if you have your Bible, hold it up, church, hold it up. You've actually been able to do that the last couple of weeks when we've done church together. I know. Because you don't have to carry toddlers into a crowded building. Turn with me to Colossians chapter 3, verse 18. I want to read a couple of verses over our faith family this morning. And I believe God's going to speak to us in a really unique way today, specifically on the topic of families. I skipped over this section of verses in the sermon last week because I felt like it was fitting on Mother's Day for us to look into the roles of Christian households. But keep in mind, this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church that he had never visited before, that he did not start. And he's coming to the end. And at this point, he's just spitting off several practical applications of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. He's going, you need to do this. These people need to do this. These people need to do that. All rooted in the heartbeat of being a child of God, but wanting to be helpful in telling the church how they need to function in their homes. Colossians chapter three, verse 18. If you're there, say I'm there. You guys have permission to give feedback as much as you would like, because this is, this is as like together as I felt in all of these weeks of preaching up here all by myself. I like this. We might do it again next week. You don't look thrilled about that, wife. Okay, here we go. I'm going to preach. Verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything and do it, not only when their eye is on you to curry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. 
Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Now, these are some pretty controversial verses. They're often raised up as a reason why the Bible doesn't teach against slavery. And I just want to read those verses and immediately tell you that the Apostle Paul is not teaching that slavery or any kind of injustice to a particular group of people is okay. In fact, that's the opposite of what he's trying to teach. Remember, Paul is writing this letter 2,000 years ago to a church community and trying to be helpful to every life stage and season of life and tell them how they need to function relationally. So this is not the moment for Paul to make a speech against slavery and against all the injustice that they're going to encounter whether or not Paul writes it in a letter or not. This is Paul's moment to go, this is how Christians should go about going about relationships, even in contexts that seem impossible. Paul's heartbeat in all of these verses is the relational harmony that comes from being a believer in Jesus. Christians should always be on the front lines of justice and equality. And that's a fitting word for me to bring on Mother's Day today because of the situation our country finds itself in. I'm sure you read the news and social media this past week. More details and insight into the murder of Ahmaud Arbery out of Georgia, and we all saw that story and felt our hearts ripped out as some of us watched the literal killing of a man rooted in racism and hate. And whether or not you you watch the video, I'm not recommending you do or don't, but I am recommending that you make yourself knowledgeable about the fact that hate and racism still exists in our world today. And the church needs to stand up loud and clear today and make it known to a lost, dark, and broken world that that is not okay. That has no place in the family of God. That has no place in our country. And we want all minorities, but specifically our African-American brothers and sisters, to know we love you. We're with you. We're so sorry. And we're praying. And we're not just praying. I I believe God is bringing real change in our day. It was so encouraging to see how the voices being lifted up for justice and equality actually created movement this week. I believe that's going to happen more and more in the future. And I believe the church, whatever race, whatever background you're in, needs to be on the front line of that battle and that movement. We're with you today. I did a whole sermon called politics and racism. You may have heard of this sermon series I did called 2020. I talked over and over again about all these controversial issues and it was the greatest month of my life. And, and, and we directly addressed a lot of the things our nation and country are feeling right now. I'd highly encourage you to check out that sermon if you get the opportunity this week. But when I was reading this passage from Colossians chapter three, I was like, I do not want to stand up in front of our online church family and give a sermon today because we are all a couple months into shelter in place and all of the things that have come out of our COVID-19 outbreak. And we are, for many of us, not needing a sermon preached to us about being kinder to our family members. Don't get me wrong. I appreciate the Apostle Paul's words and we're going to talk about them, but I feel like context is everything. 
And reading the moment, I was like, I just want to have a conversation on stage with my wife next to me and our worship pastor who's like family to us and talk about family. So the title of this sermon, if you want to call it a sermon, is called Family Conversation. Family Conversation. Could you look at someone next to you right now, particularly if they're in your family, and tell them, this might get awkward. This might get This might get awkward. (laughs) Thank you for that unforgettable moment. Family conversation. I want to preface this by saying as we talk about marriage and we talk about parenting and stuff that's going on in our family, uh, my wife Courtney and I are not the experts on how to have the greatest marriage or... Speak for yourself. Yes. Okay. Well, we got one expert over here on how to have the greatest marriage or the greatest uh, parenting advice. We have two girls. Uh, Aniston is three and Elliot is one, and we've been married for almost a decade now. So a little bit of almost next year, yeah, almost nine, nine I'm years. keeping track. Trust me, it's <laughs> this is this is going to be something that I was like, this is a great idea, and and now I'm like foot in mouth. And so we're not we're not up here to go. Oh, let let us tell you how to have the best marriage or all the things you need to do for. Uh, parenting advice. I just wanted to be real with you. I think the context of what's happened over the course of the last couple of months is not to have all these recommendations for how we should be doing our lives. Can we just get real and and vulnerable and go, the struggle is real. All of us are struggling right now. It's been complicated and difficult. So here's what I did. I asked Matt Cole and our creative team to get together and find a bunch of questions that people had related to family, related to church and all things that are going on right now. And let's just have a conversation. I'm not about to stand up and preach a 45-minute message going, hey, wives, this is what you need to do. Dads, here's what you need to do. And no, listen, struggle's real. Let's just talk about it and have some fun with it. I love it. I love this conversation. I love just y'all being willing to do this. And I love when Courtney Fidel has a microphone Thank you, I do too. And and most people weren't here. You were a couple yes. of months ago when we did our Love That Last yes. series and we talked all things relationships and uh, it was it was interesting because we got a lot of <laughs> we got a lot of really funny questions, but we're not looking to do a relationships QA, yeah. even though a lot of those questions came yes. in. Like yes. right when the passage started and I read wives, I was like, Oh, we got questions of how do I yeah. get a wife? Or I want to be a wife yeah. and it's got how okay. That's not what we're looking to do here. We're looking to have a conversation about family and just be real and go, here we are in the middle of all this. Let's talk about it. Absolutely. So we've got a a few of these questions as we go through some of these verses. We're going to kind of sprinkle them in and just have a conversation. So so the first question that was asked that we really felt was appropriate uh, for this situation, for this season, is how is marriage and parenting going in quarantine? Let me hear your answer. Wonderful. (laughs) Right, exactly. How's it going? <laughs> uh, Im- impactful. I'm just thinking of the first words that come to mind. Okay, so we're going to keep it. We're going to keep it totally real. Um, last Sunday, we had a, a, a term that we've coined this week. It's called the walk. Uh, we went on a walk through our neighborhood, and things got heated. Some people in our church would call it a courageous conversation was occurring. Yes, they would. Married yes. people, you know about these courageous conversations. Um, I think. It's, it's been a mixture of us sort of getting to the end of a lot of our patience with one another, with our kids, with the situation. 
but also seeing God come through in some amazing ways and getting time with our kids that we wouldn't have otherwise gotten. It has been the hardest time and the best time and the funniest time and the most frustrating time. And I think one of the first things I would say is just embrace what today looks like in your family and let Jesus intervene. That song, Jesus, you change everything that we were lifting up earlier. Sarah Beth just crushing, lifting that song up in praise to God. Jesus can change everything about your day in a moment. And that day, Sunday, that hard conversation went from, oh, wow, we're really, we're really letting a lot of stuff out right now to, oh, that was so needed and healthy. Well, it's always fun being in quarantine on a Sunday with your husband when your husband is also your pastor. And so it's experiencing church together while also struggling through the disagreements that are going to come up in marriage and especially when you've been our only companion for the last two months, um, which I'm grateful for. Um, But of course, those hard times are going to come, and we did have that. But like you said, this has been such a season of growth for us as parents and as a married couple um, to just get to know each other better. I have got to know my kids on a whole new level. (laughs) Um, I never, like I said, when we were coming up here, I was like, we've only been parents for three years. What do we have to say? But after being in quarantine with two toddlers, I feel like I've graduated to a new level. Yes, of you have. <laughs> you need a trophy. You need a Thank trophy. Thank you, all the moms out there. You yes. all need yes. trophies. Um, but no, it has been, it's been hard. There's been some tough conversations, but it's also been really special. I love that. I love that. And, and watching you guys parent within the way that you do with Miles as more than full-time your job is leading the church and then as more than full-time your job is. I mean, I've seen the schedules you've got for the girls, and it is amazing the way that you guys juggle that. So encouraging for so many of us, including my wife and I, who one day soon, stop asking questions, we'll have kids. So let's talk about those questions. That leads to the next question for you guys. For us. uh, For you guys. So... More kids in the future. Somebody really asked that? Yeah. What's, what's, give us a little insight in that. Hard pause right now. Hard pause. We said we want a big family, and then COVID-19 happened, and we were trapped at home. And now I'm like, I don't know, maybe two is good. No, we want, God willing, we'd love to have more kids. But right now, we're just enjoying the two we've got. We're grateful and content in the season that we find ourselves and yeah. rejoicing in it. It's good. And I do want to say this. Every Mother's Day uh, that I get the opportunity to be the lead pastor of a church, I'm always mindful of the fact that we need to honor moms because they are literally the most unselfish and amazing human beings on the planet. And at the same time, we need to be sensitive to those who want to be moms and are not already. And they need to know that they're heard and they're seen and It's possible to rejoice with those who rejoice while you also mourn with those who mourn. I think too many times, especially in motherhood, there's like a choice between, well, don't be too happy about your kids because somebody else might, might be in a different season. And Courtney and I are all about simultaneously being two different things because that's who Jesus is, full of grace, full of truth. And so we want the moms uh, who really... Are, are in a great season right now. We're celebrating with you. And those who want to be moms and want to be dads and days like today are a hard day. We're with you. You're not alone. We're praying for you. And, and the great thing is when you read the word of God, there's just constant hope and life in your exact season. That's so good. This church is full 
of just encouragement and support and help for whatever season and stage of life you're in. I love that. So I wish you, more than anything I could just flip this interview back on you and yeah, Caitlin, but, but I but know we got places we set to this up. That's, so that's, that's the right. beauty of this. Um, so been, everyone's been spending a lot of time at home, not a lot of time in this church building, but could you update us on where we're at with our future church home on Hamilton Road? Yeah, so a lot of questions coming up in recent days about Hamilton Road, mostly because our plan was to break ground in April or May of 2020. That's what we told you guys a couple of months ago. And we are moving toward amazing conversations with several different banks and financing options and finalizing all the drawings and everything going on out at Hamilton Road. When COVID-19 hit, I think a lot of plans totally hit pause, including our plans off Hamilton Road. Now, we're still totally set on that being our future church home and God defining the day that we're able to step into a building out there. But our plan was for me to be wearing a hard hat this month and us to be doing it, which is hilarious. That is amazing. I didn't itself. know about this. <laughs> well, I kept bringing it up, and Matt and Cheryl kept telling me that's the most, like, weird site we could possibly Would you need see. to borrow my tools? Oh, Do you man. know that, okay, wow. this is a whole other conversation wow. about... <laughs> That's amazing. I don't, know, I don't know where to go from here, Matt. I'm talking about Hamilton Road. <laughs> go ahead, I'm um, sorry. She is amazing at fixing That's stuff. Amazing. And breaking some things during shelter in place that she tried to fix. That's another conversation. Okay, <laughs> Hamilton Road. We were dead set on breaking ground during these months. And right now we're in a strong financial position as a church and the future looks so bright. Uh, we just had to wait and see. Let's see what the world looks like and let's see what church looks like before the end of this year. So many things are changing. If you would have shown me a picture of us doing this and called this church, I'm like, this, this does cause us to at least slow down our approach and go, let's make sure we build this the way we want to build it for the next few decades, not for the previous decade. So it's on pause, but we're moving. Well, that's, that's amazing. Possible. And I think, I think everyone has reason to be excited for the future. And I mean, we've been talking for the last, you know, five years since this church began, five and a half years about that, that church isn't a place anyways, it's a people. And what a time for the church to be the people during this season. So that's incredible. So we're going to, we're going to sprinkle in a few more questions um, during this time as we go through the verses. And so I want to jump into the verses that you read. So, you know, you mentioned you wanted to kind of spend some time on this and have not just a sermon, but a conversation around this. Um, and so we're going to kind of walk through each of these verses and have that conversation with both of you. Um, the first verse being verse 18, and I'll read it again. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Would you give us some insight into you know, that? It's, it, you know what's funny about that is it's uncomfortable to read. Even as I was reading it earlier, I was like, ah, oh, I want to go ahead and stop yeah, and explain yeah. what Paul is saying because yeah. in our day, culturally, this feels invasive. This feels yeah. like, what do you mean submit to my husband? Yeah. Like, I, what in the world is happening here? Yeah. But what you have in the Bible is God's design for marriage, a union, a covenant that is two-sided, but one as a whole, where two complement one another. 
And so when we talk about words like submit, what I want you to hear Paul saying there is that God recognizes how marriage meets the needs of a husband and a wife. There's a reason why the command is for the wife to respect her husband, that's Ephesians 5, and for the husband to love his wife. Courtney can tell me that she loves me all day, every day. And one of my love languages is words of affirmation. I love to hear that. But what my soul needs the most is respect. And every husband, every dad would say, yes, that, that is ultimately what my soul is crying out for. And what every wife is wanting is, is to be loved. And so when Paul is commanding submission, that's less about a subordinate, less than role and more about this is how you find your place in God's design for marriage and how you work for his good and your own good as one. Absolutely. And as a wife, uh, you hear that word submit and it can get a little under your skin, especially in tough moments. But um, like you said, I view it as the picture of Christ in the church. And that when I read that verse and when you put in the word respect there, it actually offers up a lot more freedom for me. Because just as we get to go to Christ to find our freedom, I can submit under your authority for our family. That doesn't mean I'm not assertive. That doesn't mean I'm a doormat. Women don't hear me saying that because you definitely have a voice and you definitely have room to encouragement, encourage and help lead your husband as well and help lead your kids. But really at the end of the day, knowing that he is over our marriage and our family because of the way he submits to the Lord and I I submit to him, it really frees me up to not have to carry that because it is a heavy load that you do carry so well for us. How's that words for affirmation? That is, that's good words of affirmation. And and I think you model that so well, but that, that verse should scare husbands more than it scares wives because it points to the fact that the husband and the father stands before God as the one who's to give an account for his family as the priest of his home. The pressure's on, guys. Praying for you and feeling it with you. Trust me. Absolutely. I love that so much. I love that so much. So the next one, um, verse 19 says this. Paul writes, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Miles? Do not be harsh with them. Give us a little insight into that. Man, even as you're hearing that and Courtney and I make eye contact, I'm thinking about moments this week where I have missed it. And so when you read verses like this as a child of God and, and, and you, you see the standard of what it means to walk with Jesus in this, there is grace, there is forgiveness for those who have fallen short. This is not a moment to shame any particular role in a family dynamic, especially during the days that we are in. Uh, but it is a, a charge where Paul says, husbands, agape your wives. Uh, I read a commentary this week that said that the difference between Paul's commands to the wife and to the husband is the difference between a dad assigning two kids different responsibilities. And one of them is hard but possible. And one of them is totally, totally physically impossible. And the person's just sitting there like, I can't, I can't do that. 
And that's how I feel reading that verse is it's like the word agape is a love that has to come from God. It is the love that always endures. It's the love that always forgives. It's the love that always perseveres. It's not something a human being can conjure up on their own. And so when I read that, Matt, I think, okay, the only way it is possible for me to love my wife and love my family well is if I'm connected to Jesus. And if I'm not, I have nothing meaningful and good to offer. Because the good news about this verse, if you're like, what does agape mean? It's the way God has loved you in Christ. It's that nonstop pursuit of you, that nonstop forgiveness of you, that grace that overflows that approval that's yours even when you didn't earn it. And what God is saying is take what I've given to you individually and pour it out for your family to feel that encouragement and that confidence and that belief coming through you. So for me, I hear that and I go, that's, I'm not gonna be able to do that. I have to fall on my knees before God again and receive his present grace in this moment. Yeah, and you do such a great job at that. And I think that's such a beautiful call that Paul is putting on men. But I also believe that as women and as the wife, that we have a call to give grace because like you just said, it is impossible. It is such a hard love um, to master unless you're calling into the Holy Spirit. And that's where we, we can want that love all day long, but we also have to give grace when you guys fall short because Spoiler alert, they're going to. All the wives in the world said amen. Um, but Amen. We said amen. Yeah. Yes, please give grace. But we all have the opportunity every single morning to wake up, acknowledge our sin, and then put that sin down and put on Jesus. And some days I'm going to do that better than you, and some days you're going to do that better than me. And on the days where one of us is falling short, we get to offer that grace and know that I know that is him and his flesh, and I'm going to pray for him instead of choosing to nag, which I do. I struggle with that. But instead of choosing that, I'm going to go away, and I'm going to pray for them because I know that's that's not my husband in Jesus, and I know he needs me to fight for him, and I know he needs me to fight for him the next morning so he can start fresh and new choosing to walk in the Holy that's Spirit. That's so good. That's so good. How many moments in marriage do we need to immediately just think, that's not the real them? And and any any sustainable Christian marriage, I'm thinking about some of the marriages in our church, and you're aware of them, the multiple decades of faithfulness to God and to one another. Like They've gotten really good at forgiveness. They've gotten really good at automatically going, ah, it's not the real you, and I can, I can forgive that and I can let that go because I know who you are in Christ. That's strong. Absolutely, and, and that's, that's one of the best. Uh, last year, Caitlin and I got to go to a, a marriage retreat, and the, the most effective piece of advice that I was given was from a couple who had been together 50 years, okay? 50 years, right? It's incredible. Just an unbelievable marriage was walking in a constant spirit of forgiveness. Like you said, like knowing, okay, they're not operating in their identity in Christ right now. I forgive you. We'll, we'll have a conversation about it, but I'm not going to hold this against you. And you're right. So many marriages in our church that exemplify that in unbelievable ways. So that's, that's wives and husbands. So this, this next verse, Paul addresses kids. And, and Caitlin and I are not there yet. We're, we're getting there, but not quite. And so we're taking notes on the future here. Um, but I want to read what Paul says about children. He says this in verse 20. He says, children, obey your parents in everything. Yeah. For this pleases 
the Lord. It's just that easy, Paul. You just oh, clearly you get it, Paul. You just yeah, read that's... that to Aniston and Elliot every morning, yeah, just and they just it do and, it right. They, they obey. They just All fly long, perfectly. They just obey. Okay, okay. So, so give us a little insight. So you got you got a three year old and a one year old. Like, how does this play out in your daily lives at the Fidel household? I would say obedience and honor flow naturally to where respect has been earned. So the early years of parenting for me is, is really about earning the trust and respect of my kids. Uh, they're, they're three and one. They have sin living in them. Their, their go-to is selfishness. Their go-to is disobedience. In fact, we could show some funny videos if, if we had fully planned this out beforehand. But there are moments where Aniston's delight is in doing the opposite of what we say. And it's awful, but hilarious. It's like, she's like, I'm going to take that. Okay. How do I spin that to annoy them? Here we go. And so as a part of that is just their age and their season. But for me, I think it's about earning that respect and that relationship to where my voice is not just a voice of authority that's rooted in discipline need to do that. And I think we do do that on a consistent basis, uh, but it's also a voice that over time they're growing to go, Oh, he doesn't want me to get hurt. He doesn't want my life to get worse. He wants the best for me. So, so to continue, just drop my phone. So, it's okay. We're staying real. Yeah, <laughs> so just drop my phone. Um, so I did want to ask this question of you, though, Miles. Is so, so you talked about earning that respect, right? You know, we, we, all, we, we have these relationships with our dads at some point in our lives, and it's like, okay, we have these moments where we don't want to give it to them. And there's almost this rub where it's like, no, they're trying to demand it almost as a position. But how do you as a father not go to the place where you're trying to demand it and act like you deserve it, but you're operating out of the love of the father to earn it from your daughters? I think that's a question that a lot of people, they may have kids that they don't have their respect or they didn't walk in a way as a father that honestly deserve respect, but how are you with young kids growing that platform of, no, I want to hear what my dad has to say. Because we talk about the father's love all the time at ACC. That is vastly important Mm -hmm. to our identity. So how are you doing that right now with Aniston, with Elliot to know, like, I know I can trust my father even when he's disciplining me. Like I, I want to hear my father's voice. Once again, so early in this, Do not have the track record to speak with authority, but for me, and and Courtney has watched this happen, I apologize a lot. And Aniston's starting to understand, like, daddy doesn't do it right every time. He doesn't talk to me the right way every time. He comes back continually and says, I am so sorry. That moment was was not, and and she's three, and I know these moments are going to mean more the older that she gets. But I think... A, a father who lives with an awareness of their own fallibility and their own relationship with their heavenly father going, I'm not the one that you need to ultimately look to as the perfection of what this role is supposed to be. I am in need of grace too. And when you've got a continual household that's going, I need grace, you need grace, they need grace. You've created a household that's open to Jesus. So I would say constantly having hard conversations that are rooted in humility. 
Absolutely. I was about to say the exact same thing before you asked Miles that. Um, Just that it's constantly modeling to them what that looks like. Um, You read earlier in Colossians, just a few verses up, about bearing with one another and forgiving one another. And Miles and I, constantly, it's hard, but we have to model that in our marriage of forgiving each other in front of our girls and also all day long of apologizing to our girls when we lose our patience, when we don't do something right and showing them, I'm not perfect. I I need your forgiveness here. And it is really great to see Aniston, who's a little bit older, almost three and a half, who she has started to grasp that. And she will um, say, it's okay. I forgive you. They are the quickest to forgive, which I just think is the most beautiful picture of just thinking of the way our father so quickly forgives us. They will immediately forgive. They won't hold it against you and they're ready to move on to the next thing. And so we just have that opportunity to model that to them. And what's been special is seeing now in return, her apologizing quickly when we have to. Sometimes. (laughs) She does with me. Sometimes. <laughs> but really, watching her um, want to apologize, even if it is after the fact, and wanting to try better and falling in line with that discipline that we've set before her. I think God has wired families yeah. to need conversations rooted in humility all the time. And when that becomes a norm, it's, it's like God has an opportunity to get glory. So if you're at home right now, and, and things are getting really difficult with your family. I believe today is an opportunity for hard conversations, but also grace-filled conversations. I, I've just had my mind kind of changed about this recently because I felt us sometimes about to have a hard conversation. I'm like, oh, the girls are around. We can't have this conversation right now. I, I do think some conversations need to have their rightful place, but we do not need to have this front for our kids, like our marriage is together until they're out of the room and then we're ready to fight and fight well. I think they need to grow up in a home where hard conversations that are rooted in humility and quick apologies are the norm. So they can be healthy and normal. I'm saying, if your family feels crazy and it's like, well, I've heard of a family who said, oh, man, they, they've never fought around their kids. That's great for them. But that's not the norm. And that's not entirely realistic, just to be honest with you. So let's make it normal to be imperfect. And let's make it normal to apologize quickly and forgive quickly and, and, and have grace be the marker of our homes. Trust me, there's nothing that will humble you more than spending two months just apologizing nonstop to a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Nonstop of just, man, mommy fell short again. And, but it, again, it's just been really special to yeah. see us all grow in that. Yeah. So good. So, so Anison is three now. We had a question um, that someone sent in about raising a two-year-old. So you're past the two. Praise you're God. into three. Terrible but, twos. But that's, what? That's not a cliche. That's a thing. <laughs> that's a thing. The terrible So you're twos, confirming yeah. this is truth. Um, and the three-nager is a thing, a too, three-nager. by the way. Yes. I will take that three-nager all, all day right. long compared to those terrible twos. So, so Aniston's past that. You got one coming up behind her. So what would your advice be to the mom who did send in that question going, hey, two-year-old, give me something? First of all, three is coming. It's going to be a long year. But three is coming, and it is. We watched it happen. It's like this magic little switch goes off. She's not perfect. She messes up a lot. (laughs) But it is so much easier 
to talk through because they're growing and their emotional maturity is growing and to be able to talk about and, you know, apologize, forgive, all of that, set boundaries. It's coming. Their emotions when they're two, now looking back. When I was in it, I did not have all this insight. But looking back, I mean, they are learning how to handle everything. Um, And so just having, I mean, again, that's for all ages. You get, I haven't been there yet, but I was a teenager once myself, but you get to puberty, you get to high school, and I mean, these kids are constantly changing, constantly experiencing new things in the world around them. So just remembering it is a season, their emotions are catching up with them, you will make it, Um, but it is a hard year. So just, you know, give yourself a pat on the back that you are making it this long, because if I had been in quarantine with a two-year-old last year, I definitely wouldn't be up here (laughs) acting so wise. I think so much of parenthood and even marriage is about being okay with being in the middle of the struggle. Like things don't have to be perfectly tied up every night when you go to sleep. As you sleep, you have a God who never slumbers. He's looking after you. He's looking after your family. And for those of you who are like, I'm not married. I'm not a parent. This message feels like it's far away from me. One day soon, sooner than you think, you're going to need this. Uh, but also just knowing that your story is in the hands of God. And so wherever you find yourself today, if it's in the middle of massive difficulty and frustration and relational tension, that's where God wants to meet you. He's not waiting for you on the other side. He's walking you through the valley. Absolutely. And if you are a student or a young adult and you're not married or you haven't gone into parenthood yet, Maybe use this as a time to prepare yourself getting there and, you know, throw your mom and dad some love today. Because Today's the day. I have mom never specifically. loved and respected my parents more until I became one and saw all that they had to do and put up with. <laughs> That's amazing. That is some great great insight. So we want to wrap up gonna going through these four verses with verse 21. Paul says this, fathers. Do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. I think there's some language there that we need to explain. Yeah, so so that word in ancient Greek is not the word for fathers like dad. It's actually the word for parents. So if you still have your Bible open in front of you, look at that footnote that's right there by fathers. And it says at the bottom, parents. Just a masculine way of saying the word mothers and fathers. So that is not specific to dads. It's moms and dads. So can you give us some insight into this relationship? You kind of already touched on it a little bit with the respect and the love, but how, how, can, how can we as future parents and the parents out there and you live lives and lead your families in a way that, that you grow children who not only love you and cherish you as parents, but love and cherish God? Yeah, and you, you heard it in the verse. It said, or they will become discouraged. And that word embitter is just to downplay that they, that, that they would be around you and feel less confident about who they are. And already so many moments I know of where I'm guilty of causing that very thing. But the worst thing we could do is, is let our kids and our relationships with them over time become more discouraged about who they've been called to be. This is, a, this is supposed to be a safe place. 
And the other week, something I apologized to Aniston for, this was actually last week. We were outside. She was standing on a couch. She likes to do that, even though it's dangerous. And and she's like reaching for these lights that I'm annoyed. I'm holding Elliot. I'm trying to figure things out. I'm, I'm probably on my phone texting somebody and needed to be more present. And she's just touching a light. And I literally said out loud, I said, Aniston, don't pull that light. So mature. This is what I mean by three nature. She goes, Dad, I'm not. I was just trying to touch it. And I was like, yes, you were. And why am I such a jerk sometimes? And, and literally for no reason coming down and going, you just, you just go into your place. I, 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 and of course, I apologize quickly for that moment. But I thought of how often we so unnecessarily make our kids bitter Instead of being the safe place for them to know, you are more than the product of your actions or your words today. You are loved, you are valued, you are beautiful, you are gifted, and that, that identity, holy and dearly loved, how much did that sermon speak to the life of our church? You want to know why that's so powerful? Because you were made to live from the approval of a parent and know that you have it. And so how can we consistently with words communicate value and validation, but also give them a life worth living for Jesus? And and Court's going to go into this in just a second, but I think one of the most powerful things we can do to get them to love Jesus, yes, go to a church, stay committed, pray often, all those things. But the main thing we can do is paint a picture of following Jesus that looks like an adventure enough to actually want and to actually like, strive for. Absolutely. And not making it seem like it's a burden. Um, and that following Jesus is just a bunch of boundaries, kind of like as parents right now with toddlers, we feel like we're constantly saying, don't climb on this. Don't fall off that. Don't do that to your sister. Um, so it is so many just don't, 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 but we want to model for them and show them that walking with Jesus and having a relationship with Jesus is about so much freedom and so much go and do Mm -hmm. this and giving them the room to be, um, who God is creating them to be, who isn't always the easiest for you to parent. It may not be the easiest person for you to click with, um, on day-to-day life, Aniston and I are very, very different. She's my little extrovert, life-of-the-party girl. And sometimes, for me, on the more reserved side, that can be difficult, and I can feel like I'm trying to reel her in and stifle her, but I never want to do that. I want to give her space um, in a safe way to be who God is creating her to be because she has a special gifting on her life in the personality that God created in her. And so I want to make sure she has room to be that. And same with Elliot, just constantly, like you were saying, encouragement um, of just telling them how wonderful they are. We fall short so many times in the losing our patience and getting onto them. And why did you do that? Um, But just really trying to turn that quickly in you are so special. You are so smart. You are so loved by us, but most of all, um, by God, your father. And so really just speaking that into them. Um, and the best way we have learned that is by surrounding us, surrounding ourselves with parents that, you know, are usually a step ahead of us. Maybe they have older kids. Maybe they are empty nesters at this point, but 
that have just done such a great job of instilling the love of Christ into their kids and being in a place which is so hard because right now I just want to keep them safe. I want to keep them innocent. I want to shelter them. But being a place of open hands and being like, they were never mine to begin with. And we have so many great people that have modeled that for us that they just hold their kids open to the Lord. And you watch how so beautiful those kids are chasing after the Lord, but they're also running home to mom and dad because they know that that's their safe place and they know that that's where they can find that encouragement and love. Matt, uh, wow. As hard as it is to say, our families are not ours. They're God's and they're a gift to steward well. Parenthood is about raising up ambassadors for Jesus. And so I think the worst thing we could do for our kids, this is something the elder spoke into me last week. I don't know if you, if you knew this, but I got a ton of criticism from a lot of different people last week. You may have heard that. Um, and I was talking to the elders and I was like, I just hate that my girls are going to grow up in a world where they could go to school with people who hate their dad and that they're going to see stuff written about me, said about me that's not true. And I was like, I, I don't want them to grow up like that. And David Fickner, one of our elders, said, if I've learned anything raising girls, it's that sometimes the very thing you want to protect them from is actually something from God that he wants to use to build them up from the inside out to make them who he's called them to be. And he said, the worst thing you could do for your girls is spend your whole life trying to protect them. You need to protect them in in general and provide for them. But the worst thing you could do is think it is your job to keep them from all of the dangers and things that actually are going to build them up into being confident daughters. And I feel the same way about sons too. We need to be raising up warriors in the kingdom of God. And we can't do that if we tell our kids their entire life let's stay in this box and let's just keep all of these things away from happening to you. Yes, be wise. Yes, have boundaries. But at the same time, we're in an eternal battle with real people and we've got to raise up the next generation to know God is good, but he's not safe. He is not safe at all. And if they get that version of following Jesus in their mind, they're going to choose him for themselves, which is the ultimate goal anyway. Uh, that is so good because, because we're not... We weren't created to live these safe little lives where we get a paycheck and we make sure the food's on the table and we don't worry about anything. No, we were made for an adventure. And, and that is what life is about, is an adventure with Christ. And I think, I think we're seeing so many families in our church model that. And so many families who may have not, but they want to. And so we're seeing a journey unfold at so many different stages for so many church and it's so good and so before we wrap up before miles closes for us courtney just want to ask you do you have you have anything that you kind of want to leave us with challenge us with share before we wrap up i mean it sounds so simple but really just pray pray for your families be on your knees um the past two months of just being home so much and having a little bit more freedom in our schedule, um, I have just found myself constantly turning to the Lord, praying for my girls, praying for their future, praying for our marriage. Um, I think we're getting ready to sing a song that we have done a few times called The Blessing, and that has been the anthem in our house. At this point, the girls know a lot of the words because that is what we want. We want to be praying like it says for our children. And I want 
that same to be true for their children. And I want the next generation of our kids and their kids to be ones that are known for loving Jesus. And that starts with our prayers here, but it also starts with praying for your past families. If you come from a broken family, that doesn't mean your future is broken. That's this, what I love in that song that it's for the next generation. We get to start a new generation right now of following Jesus. So whether your parents came from a broken family, whether you yourself have experienced brokenness, maybe divorce or maybe some rough times with your kids, that is not the end of your story. You get to start fresh today on your knees, praying for your kids, your parents, your siblings, families all around, whether you are a physical mom or whether you're a spiritual mom for so many around you, you get the power to pray. And that means so much more than anything I could do in front of my kids. It's really what I'm doing behind closed doors of fighting on their behalf um, to the Father who is really going to give us every single thing we need to move into our next steps. That's it. If, if I had any closing thought, it would be, I know that whatever season of life people find themselves in as they're hearing this, I know it's not a sermon, and I know it's not a typical moment that we set up on a Sunday, but I think thinking about your family in this moment, every person listening has the best intentions They want a great marriage. They want a healthy home. They want to make things right with their parents. They want to have everything that God has for their family. But there's a line between intention and action. And it's called a decision. It's where intentional living comes in. And the difference between wanting something for your family and walking in it is making the unsafe decision to step out of your comfort zone and have a conversation to do the work and actually put things into practice. So here's what we want to do. We actually want to set up a moment right here and right now before we sing the blessing. And this is going to be a moment for families to have an opportunity to go before God together. The band is going to come up here on this stage and prepare for this moment. And I hope that the blessing has been a song that's been speaking to your heart because I know it's been speaking to mine. But what we wanted to do is before they sing one note of this, we wanted to challenge you wherever you are right now. If you're by yourself, if you're with friends, if you're with family, we're going to hit pause on this very gathering and create a moment for you to pray over your family. And if there's anything in my life that means more to me, it's the highest level of importance. It is that my one shot on planet earth wouldn't be marked by a family that missed out on the life Jesus died for us to live. So yes, it can be awkward. And yes, there's conversations to be had and apologies to be given, no doubt. But you have this moment right here and right now to stand in the gap for your family. So dads, if you're with your family right now, and maybe the only time you've prayed together all week was before a meal, great. You got this moment in church to pray with your kids and with your wife. Take this opportunity. Don't spend the rest of your life living in the opportunities that could have been. Step into this moment right now to speak a blessing over your family. Some of you are watching this all alone right now and it's and it's killing you because you're going, I wish my family actually wanted to watch church with me. Great thing is you can go before the God of the universe on their behalf and call on God to do what only he can do. This is your moment. And so we're going to open it up and leave this moment for you. I promise we're going to sing in just one second, but I want to ask that you not just pass the time, 
Would you pray for your family? And would you invite God to do what he does, restore and redeem?